Okay. Well, good to see all y'all. Should make it out here on Father's Day. And the summer has truly begun. So we'll get through that for sure. Um, we had quite a week, didn't we, this last week? Quite a week. Um, and I think that we've got some marching orders to to go forward with that, that matters. Uh, this Bible study that the, that the uh, sword generation is doing, I think, is one of those. Y'all really need to follow through with that, and, and we're pleased as punch. Tonight at 6, we will have a nursery, right? We're going to nursery? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. So we, we will cover that, too. Make sure your kids uh, are taken care of like that. Um, last week was different. Uh, we started off with uh, with Al here, and uh, and then all those people standing, you know, sitting up here. I think we had nine chairs at one point with ministers sitting in those chairs, ministers and intercessors. And uh, that was really pretty cool. Uh I think maybe even a model for for the way the church should be uh, going forward. You know, actually it's the way Jesus did it. And uh, just a, a round table of, of living life together and talking about life uh, from the kingdom of God perspective. Very, very good. I was I was well pleased. And, of course, we've had a lot of stuff going on here in Andrews. And uh, uh, it's on. You know, what's going on in the kingdom is on. And we are, we are definitely coming into very interesting times. Let's just put it that way. Very interesting times, unlike any that the world has ever seen. You know, when I speak like about the, like the Great Tribulation, Jesus Himself said there was there would be no other tribulation equal to that. Now, there's always been tribulation, always will be, but none like that. That's ahead of us. So we're living in days that nobody's ever seen before. So God's got to prepare us for such a time as this. He's got to prepare us. And he's doing that. You know, he's doing that. He's, he's definitely moving us. Some of us are harder to move than others. We're hard-headed. You should work on that. You know, Don't be so stubborn. Just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And uh, if you get challenged, that's good. If you get offended, that can be good. Because when you get offended by the Word of God, you are being dealt with by God to change your will. And that's good. You need to change your will. So don't take that as a, as a checkout moment. Just take it as a challenging moment. How many of you think that you've already got it all figured out? Seriously. So you need teaching, right? Absolutely. We all need that. And God is doing that. He's really changing the way people are looking at the days that are ahead of us. I think it's like a wake-up call. It's a lot worse than we thought. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, were y'all challenged this last week with uh, what went on in Andrews? Did that bother anybody? Did anybody even pay attention? Let's see your hand. Did you pay attention to what was going on in Andrews? Let's see your hands. Some of you did. No, that's interesting. Hmm. That in itself is a message. All right, First Corinthians chapter three. I want to show you some stuff today. One service, we'll take a shot. I'm like the guy in golf. You know, they're always 
there's always a hole, you know, like a par three or something where you get one shot at the green and uh, over water or over a sand trap. And they always put the flag right behind what they call the hazard. Avoid the hazard, right, is, is, is sort of the point. But there are people in this world, like me, who can't ignore the hazard and go right at it. And you can get caught by it. Amen. Amen. That's me. I'm still that way. So we're going to go into some hazards. <laughs> First Corinthians 3, chapter 10. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say chapter 10. Trust me, I don't know where we're going, but we're going there fast. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, Paul talking about his ministry. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. And this is really uh, to you. You know, Jesus Christ is your foundation. Everybody's got that in them. But you're to build upon that. And you should take heed how you build on the foundation that God's laid in you. Eleven, no other foundation can be uh, one lakes other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, that's one group of things, gold, silver, precious stones, or second one, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. And you probably have it capitalized, the word day, in your Bible. That is always throughout the Bible points toward the last day. The day of judgment, when Jesus returns, you know, the end of time. So when everything is finished, that point in time will do what is following here. That day will declare what your works have been. Okay? Because it will be revealed by fire. Fire is what determines the quality of your life. So if your life has the produce of Gold, silver, and precious things, when fire comes on it, all it does is makes it better, more pure, more valuable. If the produce of your life, the fruit of your life, is wood, hay, and straw, then the fire will burn it up. You'll have nothing left. Okay? And everyone will have that moment. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So Paul's making it clear here that we're not talking about your salvation, about your heaven or hell end. But what we are talking about is the fruit and the rewards of your life that you'll have there. Now, you will be saved, and if you blow, blow your life up, but it will be as through fire. Fire will be still necessary for you to get the point. And there are people in the Bible, you know, that, like the, the second thief on the cross. One of them got it right, the other got it wrong. And one of them got saved, right? The other one didn't. And I know people who live their lives hoping to repeat that moment. You know, that they could just make it to the to the very end and get it right at the last second. That's rolling the dice. You know, that's that's a pretty wow, can you believe that you would do that? But there are people who play golf like me. And they like that hazard business. And so they'll go for it. But the fire 
comes to everybody. You should underline that one. Fire comes on all of us. Jesus is going to make sure you understand and that he sees what you've been doing. And fire determines what kind of deal it is. Now, your works is what he's talking about, what you do with your life. Now, it, and it will be judged at the last day. But there's an interesting scripture I want you to turn to real fast. First Timothy chapter 5. This is a very interesting uh, uh, verse in here. Kind of a little mystery here that we're going to throw into the, to the mix. First Timothy chapter 5. Timothy writes this, verse 24. Some men's sins are clearly evident or revealed preceding them to judgment or to that day, the day of judgment. But some of, of uh, those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. In other words, they go forth through the judgment. And those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Interesting scripture. What it says to me is this. Not every work has to be kind of hidden until the day of judgment. Some men, whatever it is they do, it goes already to judgment and they get the reward right now. And it can be good or bad. I mean, literally, it could be good or it could be bad. So, but whatever it is that you've done, count on this. Fire will be a part of the equation. You don't have to, sometimes you don't have to wait, folks. I'm one of those <laughs> who's gotten some immediate response from the things that I've done. You know, it went straight to the judgment. Bam! Don't do that again. I think some of that's been going on this week, by the way. John chapter 16. Now, the interesting thing about this section of the Bible is it is the last night of Jesus' walk with his disciples. This is Thursday night. He's in the upper room with his disciples doing the Lord's Supper, giving them their marching orders for the future. I mean, this is it for him. His, this is his swan song. Last words. What would you want to tell them? So in, in John 16, he's, he's discussing the future with these guys. If you would, back up a quick moment to, uh, to chapter 15. And I want to show you something here that kind of sets the stage here. If you'll notice, the entire section from chapter 14 on is all red. Red letter. This is Jesus, basically, his last sermon to his disciples. All this stuff, chapter 70, all of it. So it's all, you know, connected. Chapter 15 says this, uh, verse 26, When the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Or another way of saying that, he will be a witness of me. Martyreo is a word. And you also will bear witness. Martyreo, you are my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 1. Because you've been with me from the beginning. So part of what he's saying in this last sermon is about being a witness. And you need the Holy Spirit to be with you to do that. Now in chapter 16, he's still talking. And he's basically fixing to end it with these guys. He says in chapter uh, 16, verse 29... His disciples, after he's finished all that he said to them about what he said, he's leaving and all this kind of stuff. His disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly 
and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. That would be very encouraging to hear, right? The teacher says. And so Jesus answers them. (laughs) He kills me. Really? Do you now believe? Is it really true? You say you do. Look what he says. Do you believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Verse 33 is very critical for today. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Well, that's the marching orders of verse 33 right there. In me, there is peace. In the world, tribulation, but I've overcome it. Now, we've, we've talked ad nauseum around here about tribulation. The Greek word is thlipsis. The oppressing of your life. And the, the, the interesting thing about thlipsis is it, it allows you to keep your will concerning what's going on. Circumstances of life just smash you down. Literally like the pressing of an olive, which produces the anointing oil which you need in the days ahead, and the pressing of the grape, which produces the wine, which is the covenant in which you will walk in ahead of us. Now, you have the ability to walk out of that. The process of flipsis, of tribulation, you have the, the ability to say, I don't want this, and walk, and go to somewhere else and sit on the back row. All right? I know so many people in this church who have been through thalipsis and they're still here. Hats off to you. You didn't have to do that. Most people, I'll just say to you, most people don't. They don't stay with it. They run. There's got to be a better deal somewhere. They may hop and skip through life because of thalipsis. They may have several jobs. You know anybody that just bounces from job to job to job to job to job? Why is that? I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but why is that? I was one of those guys that stayed. I actually think that was what God was trying to work in me. You stay. Stay through the trouble. I went from a, I was in a company when I came out of law school and got hired that was the second largest computer firm in the world. And at its height, it had 110,000 employees. Over $10 billion in, in revenue. This is way back in the 80s. That would be three times that much today. Big company. By the time I left, they were down to 30,000 employees and $3 billion in revenue. And everybody was jumping ship. And God was telling me, you stay. That's an example of flipsis. People jump from marriage to marriage to marriage. Why? Because trouble comes, they don't like what they get, and so they're going to get another. And again, I'm not calling anyone out. Most people in this church have been married more than once. Praise the Lord. 
No praise the Lord's? I can't do signs and signals anymore. God told me not to do that no more. So that's life. And glimpses is designed to produce character in you. That's what it's all about. You ever see anybody that has no character? A lot of times, you know what? I find that people who have no character are very gifted people. And so they can always jump and run and, and be successful because they, can, there's, there's, they have the gifts to do it. And so they never develop character. They're spoiled brats. Amen. Amen? Amen? Did you know that God sends these circumstances in life to spank you because he loves you? How do you train your children? Give them another sugar-coated candy? Every time you do something wrong, oh, well, have a popsicle. You beat yours, okay. So that's why God sends trouble in our lives. It's to chasten you and even scourge you to develop character in you. Do you all believe that? Okay. I can show you scripture for it. Read Romans 5. All right. So Jesus said, that's coming. The, you can't get out of the world. He said, don't, don't, I'm not going to pray that God's going to take you out of this world. Why would I do that? That's where you learn character. No, I want to just pray that God keeps you while you're in it. Stays with you while you're in it. And if you will stay with him, you'll find peace in the midst of the storm. Okay? That's the way this thing runs. All right. Now then. But Jesus has overcome the world. See, there is a point here where this thing begins to be about us being used by him to deal with the world which is so screwed up. I think we're in that time. Luke 12. Jesus actually talked about this scattering, the situation he's speaking about these guys, right before he got to Jerusalem. And we find that in Luke 12. He has a, another word for it called dividing. What's the difference? People go out in different directions. And look at verse 52. From now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two, two against three. Father against divided against his son, and son against the father. Happy Father's Day. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Do you notice the women get more rule, uh, more position on this than the men? <laughs> it's true. Twice as much. Hallelujah. So that's my point. Y'all have more, y'all have more problems. So there's a scattering right there. They divide. What causes that? Is a question. Back up. Verse 49. I have come to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. What he's talking about is his baptism of fire. We started off this thing with the scripture that every work will be discerned by fire. And he says, I've got that too. And it's ahead of me. And I wish it was over, but it's not over yet. And when I come, that fire is coming with me. And the next verse, 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, no. But rather division. So Jesus himself is the reason for the scattering. 
When he comes, folks, he's not coming to compromise with you. So can we make a deal? Can we meet halfway? No, 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 no. In him is light, and there is no darkness at all. So if you want to walk with him, get rid of your darkness. He's not getting rid of his light. And it's going to get so personal at the end that it'll happen even in your home. And I could go on and on about that issue, but it happened to God. He's talking about his people, his family. And he said, some of you will leave me because this is a truth that is unalterable and not for debate. There is one God. You ain't it. Are y'all with me now? So the scattering is actually caused by the fire that comes on every life to determine what you are producing. And only the good will come with God. And if you don't want to give up your stuff because you love it so much, then you won't go with God. That's the way it'll go. And you can't halfway your way into it. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Okay. So there's a, obviously this is going to happen at the end because we read scripture said at the end all this stuff will take place to fire. But Jesus is talking about it when he was here the first time. I'm bringing fire. He brought fire when he was there the first time. What do you think he's going to do on the second coming? More fire. Look at Zechariah. He was a prophet at the end of the uh, Old Testament. And boy, does he ever, I tell you what, the book of Zechariah is something you should read. Well, you should read the whole Bible. Well, I'll stop there. But by the time you get to Zechariah, you'll like it. Because it's like the 50th book in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, he speaks to the entire work of Jesus, both his first coming and his second coming. And he does it in a matter of three verses. Pretty cool. Chapter 13 of Zechariah, verse 7, he says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. He's talking about Jesus. Awake against my son Jesus. Against the man, capital M, that's Jesus, who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, was Jesus struck. He said he would be struck. And what did he say when, when he is struck? The sheep will be scattered. He says, you guys are all going to scatter. Well, right here is prophesied. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. That would be the disciples. That would be you. And it shall come to pass. Now, we're going from his first coming all the way through history since then. For 2,000 years, he's been doing this. And it's going to get more and more intense until we actually fulfill verse 8. It will ramp up. Verse 8. It shall come to pass in all the land that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. But one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord 
is my God. Folks, those are your witnesses. The Lord is my God. Amen? So what gets them to that place? Fire. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting about this scripture, if you don't watch out, you got you kind of get sequentially minded. You know, one has to happen before the other. You know, two-thirds of the people have to die, and then what's left he'll bring through the fire. I'm suggesting to you they happen all at the same time. At the end, there is a seven-year period at the end. It's called the Great Philipsis, the Great Tribulation. See, tribulation comes into everybody's life. But there will be the great one, unlike any of them. So it's especially reserved for the hard-headed people that we are in today. Okay? It takes more for this crowd. So in the end, during that seven-year period, two-thirds of the people on earth will die during that period. And during that period... The one-third will have the fire of this experience in their life of God, and they will be his witnesses. Okay? Most of the people who die, die at the end. But the witnessing will go on all through it. And actually will be used by God as a reason to go ahead and wipe them out, because they will not hear it. Did y'all hear that? Did you understand what I'm saying to you? God is not unjust. He is very just. And he will give everybody a chance to repent. But who will do it? Folks, do you think God just whispers from heaven? Or finds an eagle somewhere that can drop a, 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 a die bomber thing on top of your head that says you should repent? He uses people. He's always used people that are living. He could have used angels or whatever. But he has always used people. And he will always use people to express what he wants to do in that day. Always. And so you're living in the last day. You should be his witnesses. But it will be through fire. And you will watch two-thirds of the people die because they will not hear you. I can take you to the book of Revelation and show you these, these numbers. They're in there. There's a, you know, there's an army of 200 million people. And by them, one third will die. 200 million. Isn't that sort of a large army? 200 million. I would suggest that they're the Islamic people. Probably. Just give them a nuke and watch what they do. There'll be a lot of nukes all over Asia where most of the people live. Okay? So it's going to happen. And at the very end, the people will be so into themselves and stubborn to the point where they will actually fight God. Now, I'm, I'm going to just suggest that you guys are not that stupid. Am I going too far here? <laughs> Just give you a chance. I don't fault God, but you know, I, I figured out pretty soon that was a bad fight. But they won't get that. They will literally make armies 
and all agree to come together in one place in a valley called Armageddon for one purpose, to fight God. Mono y mono. How stupid is that? How stubborn is that? And at that time, a lot of people die, as you can well imagine. In fact, it's so bad that the blood will run through the valley, and it will be so much blood that it will come up to the, the level of a horse. The bridle of a horse. Now, I don't know. They measure horses by hands. Like a 16-hand horse is a, is a tall horse, right? So how tall is that cowgirl? I mean, 10 feet, 12 feet? How tall are we talking? Five feet, okay, five feet. A river five feet deep of blood. How many people does it take to make that much blood? That's what's ahead. But he will have his witnesses who have gone through fire. And they will call upon him. He will answer them and say, that's my people. And they're saying, and he is my God. It's not Islam. It's not any of these other isms or things I hold dearly. It is him. And the, the truth of that confession will be forged by fire. You'll have to face it. You'll have to face the consequences of confessing who he really is. You can't hide. You can't have a half of it. And I'm telling you this last week was a total... Dress rehearsal of where we really are. It was interesting for me. I, got, I must say I didn't like it at first, but I liked it at the end. It wasn't because I was going up, you know, up and down that street. Even though I did that too. Let's see if the book of Revelation has anything to say about the book of Revelation. Turn with me to Revelation 1. See if it has anything to do with what we're talking about here. You know what's funny to me about this whole issue is that I can start talking about this and there are certain people who get up and walk away. I wonder if there's an issue. If that's you, (laughs) you crack me up, dude. He's not it. I'm telling you, you should look at what's going on in your life. If you can't bear the truth, let me give you a scripture. There is a day where they will turn their ears from the truth. They won't receive truth because it doesn't fit their doctrine, their way of looking at life. And God said he will turn them into a fable like Lot's wife. She's a fable. More? <laughs> Y'all are making me nervous. <laughs> uh, look at Revelation 1. I want, you to show, I want to show you a couple of things here that are sort of important. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. And again, I've said this before. I'll just restate it quickly. The seven churches in Asia weren't the only seven churches of the day. They were seven which represented the fullness of what the church was. They were the examples of what the church was. And forever they have been. They are still the examples of the church eternal. 
you'll find them, these seven churches, in Andrews. I can name some of them in Andrews. I got about three or four so far. I can put names to them. Here in this last few weeks, it's been crazy. All right? But look at what he says to them. And grace to you, peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits that are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is what now? A witness. Now, if the bridegroom is a witness, what should the bride be? Are the two one? Is she a helpmate? A mate that's worthy of what is being asked of him? A witness. And Jesus has always said it to be so. You are my witnesses. So he goes first. He is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn among the dead. Is he the only one? No. We are all called to be born from the dead. Romans eight twenty nine. All right? Keep going. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood, and has made us, and here's the call to us all. The calling to the church. It's the same calling he had. He's, he's a ruler over kings. He's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory forever. So that calling of being a king and a priest, Jesus talked about it the night he left with his disciples. I'm going to give you guys 12 thrones. You're going to rule king and priest. It's always been that way. And he's calling all of us to it. God is equal. And that he calls us all equally to the same thing. And we know that at the end of the book, he, he springs one on us. It's not just king and priest. It's bride. We're all called to be that. Read Ephesians 5. That's our calling. King, priest, bride. Pretty good stuff. So nobody can say, oh, I didn't get the, I didn't get the memo. I didn't get my Instagram. I didn't get the whatever y'all use today. It's out there. It's, it's out there for all of us. The only question is, in your response to that and the works that you do in response to that, when the fire comes on your works, will you stand or will you lose? Amen? We all have to respond to the call. And what I do will be tested by fire. And so every, every church in here, he tests by fire. My suggestion to you is that the tribulation that comes into your life is the test. That's your test. And what are you supposed to do with the test? Overcome. Isn't that what Jesus said? I have overcome. The place from where the tribulation comes, I overcame. Right? Now, if he is who he says he is, and we are what he says we're to be, the bride, should we not also overcome? Let's see if that's a calling, if he makes that something that we should do. We know that the bride, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 John 3 says, when he does come back, we will see him as he is, because we will be like him. Just like him. So you can't take nothing out of there, folks. I, I just cannot see you removing portions of Jesus and say, I'm like him. Just can't see it. 
You're taking away the all and all. No, 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 no. He's all that he said he was. And he's all that he's called you to be. Okay? So every church then should have the issue of overcoming presented to it. And so does he call for that? So we're going to race through some scriptures. Chapter 2. Here comes the message to the churches. There's seven of them. Chapter 2. First, the first one is the loveless church. That's the Ephesians. Look in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So that particular portion of the body of Christ had to deal with the issues that are in the, the church at Ephesus. But the, the reward of overcoming is to all the churches. This is their part to fight over and to deal with. You will find that every single one of these, the promise of God that is available to them is pre, preconditioned to their obedience and overcoming. They have to overcome to get what he has promised. People, I, who said it when we were out and we're here? They're the generation of the, uh, everybody that gets the, uh, everybody shows up and gets a trophy. What, what y'all call that? Participation trophy. We're not giving away participation trophies. You either win or you don't. Overcoming means you win. Not KO. It is a word for victory. Not show up. Overcome. Amen? If we don't overcome, there's no hope for any of us. But I guarantee you, your enemy will not give up. You had to put your foot on his neck and crush it. And that's what Jesus will do at the end. All right, so there's a promise to every one of them, but it's preconditioned with this. You must overcome. So that's a pretty good promise, living in the paradise of God. Next church, the persecuted church, uh, verse 8, Smyrna. Look down in verse 11. He who has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. You realize how big that is? The second death is, I mean, that's the last judgment. And if you, if you don't make it into the book of life, you get the second death, which means you will never live with God. Ever. Hell forever. You like that one? I think that's a big deal. That's a big deal right there. But what's the precondition? Overcome. Yeah, don't fear. Because these guys are told, you're fixing to go through some tribulation. I mean, they have specifically told that. The next one, the compromising church. Boy, did I see that this week. Pergamos, verse 12, Pergamos. Verse 17, here's the, the message to that church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a, a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. I'm not going to go too heavily into that one, but that is a big deal. It's those who are saved that gets the white stone. By the way, that just personal point. No, this is a verse that God used to call me to the ministry when I was like nine or eight. God's white stone. That he, you got preached that. I never have got it. The next one is the corrupt church. <laughs> Y'all want me to take you to that one? 
Karen Andrews? No. I knew you'd say that. That's why I was set you up. It's all right. No, no hand signals. Verse 26. Here's the message. This was bad because it got Jezebel all over it. I will give you. No, I can't say that. Okay, I won't say that. Verse 26 is what I will say. <laughs> he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. Boy, this has got a strong one. You can't just start out and then fade at the end. Because it will get more intense. To him, I will give power over the nations. And, and he quotes Psalms 2. Wow. What a call. But the requirement of the call. Overcome. Keep his works to the end. Next church, chapter 3. The dead church. Uh, boy, I really know which one this is. And I've just about had enough of it. As if I'm the judge of all things. <laughs> this gets me nowhere. You know what I'm saying? But that church is here. Dead church. They have a name that lives and they're dead. They're, they're, they've left it. Verse 5. This is heavy, heavy, heavy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And that's a big deal, by the way. White garments goes off everywhere in this book. And I will, <laughs> what a promise. I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Hello, Baptist folk. Should this verse be in the Bible, Baptist folk? If you believe once saved, always saved, that is what I call the silver bullet. How could you take the name out of a book that was never in? And how can you say once saved, always saved, if this guy's saying, if you don't repent, I'm going to take your name right out of there. Who's talking here? So let's just set that little stupid doctrine to rest, shall we? Was that too much? So there's your problem. I mean, this is a loaded deal, guys. To the dead church, you guys better get it right. You're about that far from losing everything. You've got to get over this. But I'll confess his name before my father. The next one is the faithful church in Philadelphia, verse 7. Let's see what it says about that one. 12. He who overcomes... Or I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. That, by the way, is the name of the bride. I like this one. I'm hoping this church can play in that game right there. But you do have a challenge. It says, don't let anybody take away your crown. I wonder if there's a, a problem here. You mean you had a, a crown? offer to you you think about this a crown and let me tell you who gets the crown priests get crowns kings get crowns but the one that really gets me is the bride you had it in your hand and someone took it away that's what he tells him this is your only challenge now don't lose what God has given to you you would give up the crown Oh, my God. What is worth the crown? 
honestly examine it. Take about it. Anyway, there's one more. And the last one is the lukewarm church, verse 14. The lukewarm church. I can take you through that one right now. But they're to overcome. Verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And what I can tell you about that church is that all they're, he's saying is, look, like Psalm 139 and Jeremiah 29, 11, they were called to rule. The days fashioned for them in God. They were, they were literally made to be leaders. They were given the ability to lead, to, to, to gain wealth, to direct the affairs of men, to govern. They are leaders. But to whom much is given, much is expected. And I'll tell you, the one thing that will get them faster than anything, money. Money gets them. So all he's doing is calling them back to what they were originally supposed to have done. And how they handled their money. I'm telling you, folks, we've not talked enough about the fire coming upon the money. But when it comes upon the money, woohoo, dude. All right, so there you have it all. You know, yeah, the bridegroom, who is an overcomer, has called his bride to overcome as well. Many will do it. Chapter 15. I love this chapter, and this deserves more time than what we're going to give it. Verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the sign of the last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Now, for many people, you know, the whole pre-trib rapture and thing, we're not called, we're not called to the wrath of God. That's what Thessalonians says. Well, the, he's talking about the wrath of God. It's right at the end of things. So, yes, you're right. He's going to come and get his bride out right at the end of things. But not before. All the stuff that went on before is bad. It's bad. Great tribulation. But the wrath of God is the worst. And he'll take you out of there. Look at verse 2. I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with what? Fire. And those who have the victory or have overcome the beast over his image, over his mark, over the number of his own name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, and here's the song. Great song. There was a song by, uh, oh, what's that Jewish singer? It was Hosanna. What a song. That was a good tape. Uh, oh, man. Anyway, so it's, it's very interesting to me. that The song of the Lamb I get. How about the song of Moses? That is drawing in, folks, the experiences of Moses into the equation at the end. By reference, it brings it right on in. Paul Belosh. No, not Wilbur. Paul Wilbur. Excellent. Highly recommend that. Anywho, so of these churches that he just mentioned... Obviously, some of them got the message. And they got the victory. They overcame. Did all of them? Two-thirds die. Now, I will give you this. 
All that die are not going to hell. Many Christians will die. And you know why? It's one of those pay me now or pay me later deals. They refuse to take the tribulation that comes with life. And they wanted their cake and eat it too. And so they'll, they're like the thief on the cross. But you think that's a really a good idea? He did die, didn't he? He had to die for his stupidity. Is that what you want? You want to cut short your life? Really? My, di- my, dad, uh, my father died at 39. 39. How many of you are either 39 or close to it? Say, you're really close to it. You could die because of decisions that he made. I don't expect to see him in heaven. But all those next 40 years that he could have really rocked and rode with Jesus, no works. Bam, out of here. That's just how real this can get. There you go. Well, Jesus does end it with overcoming, chapter 17. I told you that these brain-dead people at the end will actually get it in their mind that they can fight him. And so they do. The beast, which is like a seven-headed, ten-horned concoction, is spoken of here in chapter 17. And they're they're coming together to fight Jesus. It's an amazing deal. And so, um, verse 12, it talks about the seven heads earlier but the ten horns the ten horns verse 12 which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast in other words right at the end right at the end they get their authority and they give all their authority to the beast these are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast and these will make war with the lamb there it is yeah and the lamb will what Overcome them. He's going to end it with victory. For he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and those who are with him are three things. Called, chosen, and faithful. That's what your fire does. Determines whether you, look, many are called. Few are chosen. And even more, less than that, is the faithful. Folks, if I was going to pick on one, one thing. That I look for. This is my marching orders with the Lord. When I look at people who want to walk, walk with Jesus in the ministry, in the ministry, I'm not talking about just being a Christian, in the ministry, speaking for Him, the one thing I look for is faithfulness. Faithfulness. It is required of a servant that he be found faithful. And you'll find that in every aspect of his life, in his marriage, the way he deals with his kids, the way he deals with money the way he shows up at church or not, faithfulness. You can't shake it. And those who are with Jesus at the end, fighting this beast, are called, chosen, faithful. The number just shrinks. But many were called. We were all called to be kings and priests. Not everybody will do the things. How do you get chosen? Is that, is that unfair that God would choose a few because many were called? It has nothing to do with it. what God's doing. It has everything to do with what you choose. You choose your result. He just receives your answer. So chosen is your own you. 
Faithfulness is on you. The call is on God. Amen? So he's, he's very just. It's just who gets there at the end. So what started out as a big number, smaller number. The fire. The one-third that say he is my God. He is my God. No one else is my God. You'll find later on that this same description of these called, chosen, faithful is the bride. This bride, I tell you what, <clears throat> I don't know if I can handle a bride like her. I mean, she's beautiful. I get that. I mean, <laughs> yo, man. But she can also kick some tail. I mean, she's got fire in her bones. Y'all seen that picture of the uh, that intercessor lady that was here at Cindy? I think she drew a picture or something. I had a picture made. Oh, she, she had a picture made. She dressed in white like a bride and has this big sword. Like, I'm fixed. I'm with Jesus. <laughs> you know, we're coming. With a sword coming out of his mouth, that's her. She is his help mate. Amen? So this is one salty woman. Here's her problem. She's got to get a hold of that saltiness and submit it to the will of the, of the one that she's with. And it starts off with your husband. Oh, bummer. That's just not fair. Tell God. We all have to submit, folks. And it's never easy to submit. And don't wait for him to be perfect man. There is no perfect man. I just want to Well, at the end, it says that to those who overcome, God will give everything. He will inherit everything, those who overcome. What about those who don't? They're not going to inherit everything. I mean, it's a binary choice, you know, one or the other. Well, go back to chapter 3. I'm going to quote you a scripture. Acts 14.22. You can write it down and look at it later. Paul wrote this. He was encouraging the disciples, and he taught them this. It is through much tribulation, flipsis, that we enter the kingdom of God. How are you going to enter the kingdom of God? Through the tribulation. You can't duck it. Romans 5. Turn there real fast. And then we'll come back to Revelation. Romans 5. This is the path of life into the kingdom. Paul wrote both of those ones. It's through tribulation that you enter. Verse 3, chapter 5. We glory in tribulation. Plural. Philipsis, plural. We glory in it. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance. Folks, that is overcoming. You don't give up. You stay in. And perseverance, character, or godly character. And character, hope. Hope from God. And hope does not disappoint because God's love is poured into your heart. Now, go over to Revelation 3. So why is tribulation necessary? It is the doorway into the kingdom. And it produces the ability to overcome. Persevere. Amen. Are you all with me? 
This is not rocket science. It's just, there it is. It says that. Or you can run. Now, what I tell you here is this. Out of all seven churches here, there's only two that get nothing but praise from Jesus. And no knocks on them at all. One of them is Smyrna. But they're not yet finished their work. He says, because at the end, he says, some of you will be thrown into great tribulation and you'll be tried for for ten days. They haven't finished their work yet. They got the right thing going, but they're not done yet. Maybe that's the young people. Yeah, I don't know. But there's one church. And if you did the math, you could probably get one third, two third thing going here. You probably could get there. Sardis. Yeah, Sardis. Smyrna's not the one you want. So Philadelphia, look at chapter 3. Philadelphia. That church has this amazing promise. Verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere. Now, how do you persevere? Through tribulations. He forgot to tell us to persevere. Because when he says it's a tribulation, he doesn't give you the rest of the story. You think, I'd be stupid to stay in this fire. And he's saying, no, you'll be really stupid if you leave it. This is how you learn to persevere. Stay in the tribulation. That doesn't sound fair. Really, read the rest of this verse. Because you kept my command to persevere. In other words, you stayed in the tribulation of your life. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, what test? Fire. Fire test. It's the trial. The great tribulation is coming. And because of the status of the church today, it's going to come on most of the church. Because they have not bought into God's way. And they've got them a doctor to get them out of here before it hits. Too bad. Boy, are they going to be disappointed. And I don't think they fit into this verse. Because they got out of the work that gets them into this verse. Are you with me? I'll buy that one. That's my hope. Is it because of all the crap that came into life, I stayed. And boy, I wanted to leave. I'm not, I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God who kept me here. I'm serious. If I could have ran, I would have. I tried. But he had a hook in my jaw. Kept dragging me back. And now... I'm looking going, God, thank you for keeping me. Keeping me in the fight. Now, this is the word, the, the, the word of my patience, or the word, the command to, to persevere. is actually a, like a code phrase. It's in the Bible all over the place. And I'll show you one of them, Matthew 10. Luke 21 uses it. When Jesus is talking about his second coming, he says, He who endures to the end will be saved. Endures to the end. During the tribulation. 
Matthew 24. Same word. Same word. In your endurance, you possess your soul. And if you last to the end, you'll be saved. So what I'm telling you is that for most people, the only way through this is to go through this. They chose not to go through this. And they're in trouble. But they will be saved. But it's, probably, it's going to cost them. How many of you have learned the lesson in life that if you pay now, you pay less later? And the opposite is true, is it not? If you duck out now, what's coming around the bend? Lot bigger, lot worse. And you will eat it. Truth. Just truth. I'm not trying to you know, bust anybody's bubble. But I'm telling you the truth. I've seen it. So, right now, Matthew 10, we're called to do that. Because the same phrase is used by Jesus when he sends his disciples out. And he's basically, the rest of that chapter is not just his 12, but he's talking about his witnesses forever. And we are in the day where the rest of this chapter is going to play. I'm not going to go through all of it, just a little bit of it. And verse 22, I think, is, um, yeah, you will be hated by all men for my name's sake. When he sends us out to be his witnesses, and we will say in front of men, the Lord is my God. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you think. I mean, I do care, but it doesn't change me. No, you can't have same-sex marriage. I'm sorry. No, there's not many, many paths to God. There's just one name given under heaven by which men must be saved. His name is Jesus. Let me introduce him to you. He's, he loves you. No, no, you can't have an abortion because it's inconvenient. I'm sorry you messed up. Thank God I didn't abort Mike. How many like Mike? Y'all like Mike? <laughs> the jury is still out. <laughs> Could have aborted him. Because it was inconvenient. I got my butt handed to me over him. And I deserved it. My first, not one of my first, it was one of my first really shots of tribulation. They fried me. To the point where 40 years later, when I finally came back to Winked for a, fam- for a class reunion, all it took was the mention of my name, and it went across the entire auditorium full of people, a ripple of response. 40 years! Obviously, I'm making my mark. <laughs> That's what tribulation will do. It'll make a mark. So, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. That's what this scripture They hate him, they'll hate you. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, a couple of things to pick up here is that if you will notice, in the same chapter, uh, verse 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, you speak in the light. Whatever you hear in the, in the ear, preach it on housetops. Because it's going to go out before everybody. Uh, verse 26, don't fear them. There's nothing covered that will not be revealed. There's nothing hidden that will not be made known. Folks, hearts are going to be revealed. They have started. I saw a lot of it this week. Uh, 32, whoever confesses to me before men, I will confess before my father. But if you don't, he will deny you before his father. I've seen that this week. 
Verse 34, don't think I came to bring peace on earth. No, I came to bring not peace, but a sword. And he goes into the same deal about the separating and the scattering. It's on the same lines. So this scripture is unto us. Now, what did I see in the revelation of hearts this week? We all know what we're talking about. We'll probably get X'd out on Facebook Live. Right? This is what I saw. All things will be revealed. And it's coming to us to see who are you witnessing for. I saw the revelation of sin in the church. Now, everything I'm going to give you, I saw in the church. And as well as in the leadership of the church. And that means both pastors and leaders in the community who call themselves Christians. Leaders. So top to bottom, this is what I saw. I saw sin. Because I saw many who called evil good and good evil. Okay? I saw a compromising church. Oh, we'll do a little if we don't have to do a lot. Or you can do, you can stay here if, oh, well, no, you can't stay here because you're in and then you're out. Why is that? Because money rules hearts. Saw some, y'all see some of that? Think about it. And it's interesting about money. The fact that money is your God doesn't, it's not always obvious at, front, at first whether you'd be for or against an issue which we know is evil. I'm not calling their evil any worse than anybody else's evil, but it's evil. Am I right? Okay. So if money rules my heart, then I will let money dictate whether I'm for it or against it. Now, if I'm in some places, oh, yeah, y'all come on over here. Because I'll, I'll make money. If you're in Andrews, what, what should you choose? In Andrews, this is not a hard, hard question. You would be against it. But what, what if you were for it before you were against it? You, you, you didn't get the message quick enough. Boy, since you found out the money was the issue, I mean, the money might be your problem. You switch your stance. Isn't that weird? Money. I saw that in pastors. Because what I saw with a lot of it was uh, uh, they tried to duck. I don't want to talk about it. In fact, it's, it's, it kind of run its course, and they, some of them tried to have it both ways. Uh, leaders, I go leaders. I saw leaders. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, but let's let somebody else do it. I'll be, I'll, I'm with you, but I won't be there. Hypocrisy is another word for saying that. Lukewarm. It doesn't really matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. It's just a few people. 
What's a few people? doesn't matter. Or maybe you've been compromised because what Jesus said would happen is happening to you. And I'm not trying to throw bricks at anybody. I realize that we're going to have to face this as a family in your own home. In your own home. Now what do you do? One of the messages from last week, let's not be so cocksure about what we will do. You ought to be fasting and praying and ask God to get it right in you. Because how you deal with that matters. I hope we get the heart that we've had toward other problems like addiction, prisoners, convicts. What has been our action there? Brother, I love you like you are. But I love you too much to leave you like that. That's the message. Okay. But man, did I see divided hearts all over the place. But you know one thing I also saw? I saw the remnant coming forth. Out of all that stuff, and I was so disappointed when I called for all the preachers. And let me assure you, every single pastor of any church of significance in this church got both emails and text messages about this issue, and four churches showed up. And they were little. I'll give you two. This church, Esai, we're the biggest ones. We're the biggest ones. How's that make you feel? Like a remnant? And that was one of the messages of God. He said, don't worry about it, son. Didn't I say it was going to happen? You're watching it happen. Double down. Start worshiping with the remnant. And those who will overcome. And go through the fire now instead of later. And then I had this hit me at the very end. I'm just going to read this to you. Because we know that this is a bride call. And the the fire and the smoke is everywhere. Who is this coming out of the wilderness? Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? but perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the merchant's fragrant powders. Behold, it is Solomon. Who is the bridegroom? With 60 valiant men around it, the valiant of Israel, and they all hold swords. Being expert in war, every man has his sword on his thigh, because of fear in the night. And then it says this to the other side. So go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. So yeah, there's fire. And there's a lot of smoke. But you should be looking not at those who are running around with excuses and not obeying. Look at the remnant. She's coming forth now. But it takes fire. Can you do that real quick? Is it ready to do? Watch this. You've seen this song before. I Actually, uh, 
wanted to save it for one of my sermons. <laughs> but Janine up and beat me to the punch and started talking about this fire. And we brought this song up. Go ahead and start it if you would. I will say this as you warm it up. The one thing I also saw was the bride coming forth. I saw two people be his witnesses in the midst of this. They are two people that you would never guess would be the bride. But is that a shock to this group? Because haven't we figured out that the bride is the woman at the well, the woman who had seven demons, uh, Bathsheba, uh, Rahab. She, she's all of the goods, the good women, and these two. She's the ones that people would never guess. And I saw two of them, one a man, and what a woman. And I saw them stand in the midst of that fire that was going on, on all over the place and spoke the truth in love. It wasn't condemnation, but it wasn't compromise either. I was amazed and so blessed. And I saw the, the last one yesterday, the bride. It's crazy good. Can we, can we play it? There's a grace when the heart is undivided Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Another in the waters Holding back the sea Should I ever need reminded Of how I've been set free There is a cross that bears the burden Where another died for me There is another in the fire
space from between where I've been and this reckoning. And that reckoning is just, it's there for all of us. Will you take this cup that he had and will you be baptized with the baptism that he was baptized with? That's what he asked his disciples. And he's asking that of you. Uh, don't try to choose the place of your death in, in Christ. He chooses that for you. The only question for you is, will you? Will you pick up your cross at that moment? And that's where a lot of us are. 
this church has a legacy of people saying yes to the right thing. We're not finished yet. We could still lose this. No doubt about it. And I'm not saying that about everybody in this church. I'm saying to those who overcome. And we're not any different in that sense to anybody who will overcome in every church. And thank God is trying to draw them out now. So we're, we're trying to do some things with these other churches that will aid in us coming into unity. Because that's the other part of what Jesus does when he scatters is he causes the rest to come together. He takes out the tares and brings into those who will walk with him and makes them one, just like he and his bride should be. So we're into some amazing times. And so I know there's a space between all of us and the reckoning. And uh, just don't, 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 don't slip now. Amen? All right, that's it. Hope you got something out of all that. See you Wednesday, Sunday night for the young guys here. Six o'clock. Six o'clock.